0: Coming up on this episode.
1: You can be an epidemiologist and, and work in either chronic disease or infectious disease, and it can look completely different. So when you hear about the role of the epidemiologist like in the outbreak of like, you know, with COVID, for example, that's an infectious disease. And the work there is very different than a cancer epidemiologist, you know, who's looking at a chronic condition.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Public Health Musings. It's good to have you on today. I have an amazing guest with me, Um, someone who mentors me from very far. She doesn't know she's my mentor, (laughs) but we are in the same circles, and I have been following her work. She's a fellow podcaster. She's a fellow um, public health professional, and she's just doing some big things in public health. So I'm excited to have her on the show today. And so welcome, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley, who currently serves as a CEO and principal consultant at DCH Huntley LLC, she holds a PhD in public health with a specialization in epidemiology, a Master of Public Health, as well as a graduate certificate in clinical administration. She's been in public health for a long time, over 20 years of successful experience as an accomplished epidemiologist, microbiologist, consultant, and podcaster. She has worked with various industries like pharmaceutical industries, um, providing expertise in generating global patient population estimates utilized for assessing the market potential for drug development. Um, She transitioned into public health. Um, some years ago as a medical technologist in hospital labs um, specializing again in microbiology and infectious diseases and she hosts the public health epidemiology conversations podcast so i'm ex- so excited to have dr huntley on the show please have all the allulations and join me in welcoming her to the show so welcome dr huntley so glad to have you here
1: thank you This is really a treat. I'm excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Yay! Awesome. So we are going to learn a little bit more about you. Um, And with all my guests, I usually ask them, what's your story? You know, like, how did you end up in public health? What motivated you? So tell us how you got to where you are.
1: I love that question. And of course, I'm used to asking the questions. So it's always nice when the mic is reversed. Um like goodness where do I start? You know it's it's interesting though as a lot of my guests you know when I ask that question they say well you know I stumbled into public health and that's really my story. You know I was pre-med, like a lot of us you know starting on the medical school track. I knew I was interested in in health and and pop you know not so much populations but in general health and Back in those days, it was just, you go to medical school. That was the example I saw in my family. I have an older brother who's a medical doctor and, I mean, obviously that's what you do. So I started that direction, but really did not get very far before I realized it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but I couldn't quite figure out what was missing or what, you know, what I needed to be doing. So I um, also started my family early. So I got married in early 20s and started my family. And then that career thing just kind of became a blur. So I did end up with a career in medical laboratory science. And I fell in love with microbiology. Um, Really fascinated with that area. And so I worked in, in laboratory science and in clinical labs for many years. I even progressed as I, you know, a little bit later on, kind of fast forward with young kids. And I, uh, at that time I was divorced. I was a single mom with young kids and I was like, I need to do something to kind of, you know, increase the income and I've got to take care of them and life is moving on. So I started looking at also a better schedule because I was working in hospital labs and it was just a very demanding schedule. I still love the work I was doing. It was a large facility and we saw so many different cases. And I mean, I worked in parasitology and you know, tuberculosis level three in the lab, and I got to really do a lot of specialized microbiology work that most hospital labs, you know, just didn't have the capacity, you know, to run those types of tests. So I really enjoyed it, but um, the demanding hours and instruction schedule just kept me away from my kids. So I was looking for more of a regimented schedule, and that brought me to the state public health lab. And at the same time, that was my first kind of you know, discovery of public health. I was like, well, what is this? And um, I had also wanted to know, well, if, of course, in that, in that field, the more education you have, the higher your salary. So I was like, okay, well, what's my next step? Uh, So I started to figure out kind of what public health was. And I had a mentor at the time that said, if you want to progress in your career, you either get an MBA and you run the lab, you know, get into the administration area, or you can, you know, go in the direction of public health and get a master's of public health. It's more of a research type. And that was really intriguing to me. And it was the first time I started to kind of reconnect with that early feeling of health and and kind of the, the interest of Of health. And so while I was working in the state public health lab, I was also pursuing my master's in public health and the light bulb was going off constantly because I was in a position where I was applying what I was learning like immediately, and it was just really amplified. So, um, you know, I love that journey. It just really escalated. I quickly found you know, epidemiology to be my the niche and the sweet spot, and then I realized that this is really what I wanted to do all along. I just didn't know that that's what it was. So that's that's kind of my journey into to public health.
0: It's an awesome segue
1: um, to
0: what I wanted to find out more about being trained as an epidemiologist. And I like that you highlighted, you enjoyed being an epidemiologist. Um, what, what, what was that passion that you found in being an
1: epidemiologist? I'm, I'm really glad that you asked that question because I actually, I knew I wanted to become an epidemiologist after learning more about um, the public health lab. And I did have a great mentor, my bureau chief, the Bureau of Laboratories at the time. Um, he was really helpful in opening my eyes to all the things, but I still worked in the lab. It was that I started doing a lot of the duties that were similar to epidemiology. So I was involved in a lot of surveillance. So it wasn't just diagnostic testing at that level. I was involved in, I worked in specifically in virology and in the select agents, which was the, the agents of Bioterrorism and um, and so I also did testing for things like the flu and rabies and so that involved surveillance, you know, where you're actually tracking and tracing and, and following the the trends over time and and um, you know that was just uh, it just made sense it, to me. It was the, the logical next step from what I had been doing so. Um, I think the most fascinating thing for me is the population aspect, like feeling that I was having a, I was making a bigger impact because all of the diseases and problems and conditions that were most interesting to me involved a lot of people, you know? Um, and so I felt like this, it was like going big. If I'm an epidemiologist, I'm helping lots of people as opposed to one at a time. So that was the big, big attractive for me.
0: Awesome. Um, I think I felt the same way too. My undergrad was in psychology, and I was determined to be an industrial organizational psychologist. There's a lot of money in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and then I met public health, and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. You know, the focus on population, focus on community. Um, there are so many ways you can give back through your job um and you can inspire people. And I got inspired as well. So I totally feel you on that uh, with the population. So, you know, as you've noticed, thanks to COVID, and you said you've worked with flu and other infectious diseases. So being an epidemiologist recently became really popular, right? Due to COVID. Um, So is there anything else you want to tell us um, about that profession? What does an epidemiologist do? And how critical is their role in the field of public health?
1: Oh, yeah. So, I guess what I would really like to add here is that, and this is something I kind of discovered once I got to the specialized point of epidemiology, so I'm an epidemiologist, and then it just sort of like spanned out again. So even within the niche field of epidemiology, it's still broad. Because as an epidemiologist, you could put a dozen of us together in a room and ask, you know, what's a typical day? And I have an episode even about that. And it all, it looks so differently. So you can be an epidemiologist and, and work in either chronic disease or infectious disease, and it can look completely different. So when you hear about the role of the epidemiologist, like in the outbreak of like, you know, with COVID, for example, that's an infectious disease. And, the work there is very different than a cancer epidemiologist, you know, who's looking at a chronic condition. So um, just knowing that there are so many different areas within epidemiology. So as an epidemiologist, I actually left the state. I left the laboratory system and I worked within the pharmaceutical industry and I worked on Um, And I even then I specialized in chronic diseases, mostly, which up until that point, everything I had done was infectious disease. So I was on focus on chronic disease. And um, and even there I was it was about insulin incidence and prevalence. I was I was um, tasked with a group of diseases that were in the category of central nervous system diseases and a few cancer indications I was responsible for. And I had to uh, estimate incidence and prevalence um, very specifically, you know, by age group and gender and by different countries. There were seven different countries primarily and then some others. So that type of work was, you know, large data sets, you know, lots of, you know, involved formula involved in the models. Um, But that looks very different than my colleagues who are, you know, doing disease investigations of outbreaks of, you know, salmonella down the street kind of thing. So just knowing that it's very diverse, even within that field.
0: Yeah. And I I feel like sometimes, even as we talk to our students, um, many of them have that challenge in understanding this you know the diversity within a particular profession Um, and it's something we are constantly advising them um, but also with COVID we found that so many of the new students we were getting everybody wanted to be an epidemiologist you know and we're like that's great you can also be a behaviorist, you know, <laughs> you can also do environmental health. There's also this other profession um, yes. that you, 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 can, um, you can do. But I think there's also the understanding that epidemiology is very high paying. And so it tends to attract a lot of people. But I, I, I really enjoyed my EPI classes um, and learning all the different ways
1: yeah i definitely um even when i moved into specializing in epidemiology a lot of that had to do with the fact that i was still looking for the you know, i looked for the most lucrative route because you know I had busy kids that were involved they all they wanted to be in all these activities and all the activities they liked cost a lot of money and we like taking vacations and doing things so it was really important to me that i had I had to have a good living so that was that was definitely a, a part of the attraction but um, but you know the challenge of the work. I think it was. It felt like it was more complicated. I know a lot of people don't really even like the epidemiology courses, um, especially biostatistics. I didn't even like it when I first took it, right? Um, but I but I like the challenge. That's something about me too. So I do like that intellectual challenge. So for me, that was a that was another part. I felt like I was you know really using my mind every day at work. And so when I was tired. Um, my husband is, uh, you know, my husband now is, is very um, he manual labor. So he comes home, he's tired. He's like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm tired, too. And he'll, like, what did you do? I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, he's in my brain all day. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well,
0: awesome. So I want to touch on your podcast and to find out more about that, the Public Health Epidemiology Epidemiology Conversations podcast, which is short for PHEC. Tell us why you
1: started this podcast. What what was the story there too? You know, it's very similar to what you were just talking about with your students. So um, students, and it's not just students, but um, broadly. So a lot of graduates um, who were you know, early career professionals or people have a ve- had a very limited view about the career opportunities in public health. So while I had a very unique story and I was kind of living my best life, I was enjoying, or I had all these light bulb moments, it wasn't that way for a lot of people. So people were reaching out to me and asking questions. And I was getting a lot of the same questions, but from different people. How did you get into this field? How did you, you know, become an epidemiologist? I see you have that degree, but how did you actually start doing the work? So I started realizing that all the people were asking these questions. A lot of a lot more people probably had the questions. So initially the podcast was called Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast. Um, so the first 200 episodes or give or take probably about 207 episodes are all about um, I was on a mission to help share with share these career journeys. I brought all of started out with all my friends, like all the people I graduated with, everyone that I knew that was working in public health. I was like, come be on my new podcast and just you know share your journey. And then I started to network and meet more people. And I just wanted to interview them and let them tell their story, similar to the conversation we're having now. And I wanted them, I wanted others to hear those stories and and open their mind and be. Um, to think outside the box about things, that, you know, ways that they could advance their career. And I put epidemiology in the middle because I wanted people to become more comfortable with epidemiology. It wasn't that it was all about epidemiology, but, you know, how can you do anything in public health without epidemiology? So that was kind of my little play on the wording there. Um, and then over, over the years, I changed, really just recently, I just recently changed the name. Um, from careers to conversations, because I still found that people were still a little fixated on the job title. You know, um, they may have started thinking a little more broadly, but they're still just thinking about the job title a little too much. So by removing careers and replacing with conversations, um, I felt like that just opened everything up so people can hear our conversation and pick out the pieces that resonate for, you know, with them. So that was, that was kind of my thinking on that.
0: I like that. I think uh, conversation sort of removes that mystery, you know, mm-hmm. um, in Epi. Because I mean, most students, honestly, if you ask them, they're like, Epi, oh my God. Bio <laughs> starts, oh, I'm done, you know. <laughs> and those are such critical um, topics, um, you know, when we're thinking about diseases, health behaviors, outcomes, and things of that nature. So in addition to the podcast, you also offer consulting services and this is in to help create offer creative problem-solving consulting solutions to organizations that are interested in um, addressing public health challenges. So I can imagine right now, you probably have had so many organizations, you know, approach you trying to figure out how to deal with COVID. Um, So first of all, I wanted to find out like what kinds of challenges um, do these organizations face or would potentially face, especially against the backdrop of COVID-19. And then you'll tell me why you left your job (laughs) and started a (laughs) consulting business.
1: (laughs) So great questions. I love your questions. Um, So I I actually, so I'm, I'm going to kind of mix them all together because the answers will come all out. Loud. So I started the podcast and I didn't know where I was going with that. But that was like me being in my job and just loving it. And it's like in a happy place. But I was also at the point where my kids were all grown now and I was like empty nest. So I had the time to kind of focus on more of what I really wanted to do. And it was less about, you know, raising the kids, so to speak. Um, so the podcast was like fill a void in a sense. And I was, you know, giving back on the platform. So it grew because m- people wanted more. Um, people wanted to work with me in, in coaching and so forth. It grew. So I started to, it, it, the business was sort of developed around that. And even though I did some coaching um, and and I created courses and I did more, you know, helping with the career coaching aspect of things, organizations, companies were reaching out for um, a variety of things. So I learned how, like I, I say this all the time, I'm always talking about thinking outside the box and being clear about what you care about and what's important to you. And you'll be amazed at what's attracted to you. So companies were asking for help. And a lot of them were within the pharmaceutical industry because there's such an important... Uh, there's a need for the data, the epidemiology. If you think about within that industry, there's so much money spent and so much time to in the drug development process. So it's important to know where the patient populations are and what that looks like and, and the different factors um, that you know, when it comes down to the epidemiology of disease, like how are these factors affecting populations of people and the niche groups within those populations? And what what current trends are affecting? We think about, I used to cover prostate cancer, for example. So, you know, when you think about men, you know, black men are going to be impacted differently than white men. If you're just thinking about the United States, and then if you start looking at different countries, there's that disparity and, and there's different reasons. And then, so, the industry was industry leaders were reaching out and asking for help around that. You know, it, it may be as simple as reports to help understand more about the, you know, the background of the disease, or it may be more about analysis or maybe data visual, uh, visualization and things like that. So depending on what came up, I just sort of I would address them as they came up. So I did not you know, I never put any borders. I just left it open because I felt like if they were coming to me, there, there was something resonating. You know, they, they resonated with something about what I was doing represented. So when the pandemic happened, um, I got. I got connect uh, people reaching out from everywhere because you have to remember, I have a bat when they're searching, they're seeing epidemiology. I'm coming up, you know, virology. I'm coming up, you know, <laughs> laboratory diagnostic testing, all the things, you know, so I've, um, I started to, you know, kind of help and serve wherever I could. And that was just a mixture and a hodgepodge of different things. Um, so over the, over time, Some of the things that came to me, I said yes to, and I realized, oh, I really like this. And then some of it was like, oh, I don't want to do any more of this. So it was a lot of that filtering through. Um, So I always had a solid base in terms of the career coaching, and people really started asking more about the entrepreneurship, and they wanted to know how do I start consulting. And so I helped that. And then the, the consulting with the business as an organization was just something that filled a gap, and I never had to really push for it. So when COVID happened, I, I throughout that time where I helped just filling in and doing so many different things, I realized that, and at the same time, you know, there's all this stuff happening with public health in the in the the spotlight, so to speak, the the wins and then the times that we didn't do so well. So I realized that a lot of industries were really trying to understand public health, but they were struggling to really communicate with traditional public health you know, they weren't going to have a nice, warm, fuzzy conversation with CDC in the middle of a pandemic. You know, it was just, it wasn't really jiving. Um, And it wasn't just CDC. It was just an example. But, you know, organizations are trying to understand. They're trying to figure out how they can build and help. You know, they're for the first time starting to see public health as it touched their industry. And they're starting to try to figure out, well, what can we do with this? So, there was a need and I really still talk to my community of public health professionals that are wanting to start consulting to like, this is the time to get out of your comfort zone and do it because there's all these opportunities. And at the same time, I repositioned myself so that I could be more available. So when I say consulting solutions for other organizations, it's really that if there's a health focused organization then epidemiology is vital to what they do. It's how they communicate, how they reach their communities, how they build a better product. It's how they know how to target. If they can understand the disease that uh, or the condition that, um, I'll give you a specific example. There's a company that uh, creates testing kits for uh, a women's health issue, and for them to understand the epidemiology around the condition that tar- that affects the women that they are looking to create this this kid for is important. It helps them to, um, it helps put the science behind what they do. It helps them to understand how to target their market better. So when they can work with someone like me to help them better understand that, those are the kind of partnerships that I'm developing and creating. And it's because of the pandemic that we've got more people now paying attention. Before the pandemic, they may or may not have really even thought about the connection. So is that, is that a very long-winded oh. answer to your question?
0: <laughs> no, it's it's perfect. Um, you know, because there are so many moving parts. Um, and I think something that I try to put out there is how interconnected the field of public health is, but also very complex field, um, and the fact that you are this public health professional with you know this clinical background, but also doing public health work and consulting with organizations like you know the pharmaceutical companies, it it helps show the diversity of the profession, and people now know what public health means. Before it was like what's that again? <laughs> Is it sanitation, right?
1: Yeah. So I actually ended up leaving um, my company that I work for as an employee because um, the opportunity with my business um, presented itself. And it was at the point where I I I did really well to run, to do both um very productive. I always had I had a team from early early on because I needed to I didn't want to be chained to my desk. you know, if I'm working my job and then work running this business and like sprouting three and four sets of arms and legs to do it all now. I had a team, so I was very smart about that. but it got to the point where I needed to I had an uh, a organization come with me as a partnership, a, a contract that was so good. And the opportunity for the company and for me to grow um, was there and present. And it was for me to say yes to this meant that I had to close that door as an employee and really jump out and spread my wings, like I always talk about doing. So it was not, it was on like the best scenario. I mean, I, I had nothing but love for my company. We had, a, um, um, I, I'm still very much in touch with, you know, my my coworkers from before and, But it was just one of those opportunities where it was just too good to to pass up. I would, you know, I could always get another job, but I may not always be able to create that opportunity. And um, so, and it was so exciting. It was all the things that I really wanted. So I, I literally stepped out full time and just never looked back, like literally never looked back. Um, And it has just been um, that opportunity. It's just amplified, and it brought in more. So um, I think that I am able to serve freely and in a much bigger way than I was able than what I was able to do um, while I was still working and running the business.
0: That's amazing. Um, You touched on how you know you encourage people to step out. This is the time, you know, be an entrepreneur. And I just wanted. to just talk a little bit about that. You know, you did this leap of faith and you know, jobs, uh, paid jobs, give us that cushion. You have health insurance, all those things, a paycheck every two weeks. So yeah. you, you do this coaching. Could you tell us more about that? And, and, and what does that entail? How does someone venture into becoming a public health entrepreneur, if you will?
1: Yeah, um, those are the questions that I hear all the time and i i feel that right now especially because of all the things i just described you know what the pandemic has done and how it's changed the focus and we have so many i think anyone and everyone that goes into public health they have a they're compassionate you have you care about other people and sometimes these people don't even look like you have not have not uh, any connection but you understand populations and there's something drawing you to uh, want to serve so it's it's a field of service so if you bring people like that to a field like entrepreneurship where there's so much opportunity um i think there's a the, the opportunity, i mean the, the, there's a powerful connection there and there's such a need and now more than ever we need to do public health differently so we need to we can't If we really want to see some things change in the way that we all envision and we really desire, then we can't keep doing things the way we've always done them. So that means that we need people who are drawn to these concepts and ideas of, you know, these creative ideas. So maybe it's that they see something that's completely missing or they see something that's broken or subpar, and it could be improved upon. So I just encourage people who who have a vision to see those one of those one or two, um, and because they're going to be able to impact the populations that they care about and they connect with in a much bigger way than any single one big organization will ever do. So if I am impacting enough people and helping enough people to to take that step, then you know collectively. We're making a bigger impact, and that's what is needed. The communities that we that need to be served, that are missing out will be served. And that's what we all want. Am I Indeed. preaching now? <laughs> Amen
0: <laughs> no I, I I definitely agree with you, and I think that's what drew me to public health because there's so many opportunities to not do things as usual. Um, I mean the communities we work with we always have to shift how we think um, despite of the fact whether the communities look like us or not, um, geographical region, all those differences and context, it helps us be um, always creative and trying to find novel ways um, to help address some of these health issues. So, I mean, you you know, you've talked about that entrepreneurship, but now we have all these students, all these people who are interested in public health. Um, what advice do you have for them? How how do they get into this field? You know, what does it take um, to be a yes. student of public health or basically the profession, if you will?
1: Uh, yes, I'm glad you raised that, too, because I encourage students. And one of the things I love right now is that there's so many bachelor's level um, programs for public health. I I, I love that. So my advice to students is to (laughs) think a whole lot less about the job title. You don't have to know um, exactly what you want to do at this point. Okay. So what I'm going to do is twist it around a little bit. So instead of looking for the job title a certain way or in a certain field of public, you think of as, okay, air quotes, field of public health, take a job that you enjoy and then find the public health in that location that will serve you so much better then because public health is everywhere and then when you're able to articulate that and talk about the public health implications within that organization and what you're doing to change it or to help or how you're contributing to improving health then as you progress in your career you that's your story that's your journey and that's how you improve you take and you use what you've learned you think about Think away from let's remove CDC. Let's remove all the the fancy, you know, the examples that we see in movies about public health and epidemiologists. and let's let's look at something more ordinary and and look at in environmental health. look at look at industry. Um, look at um, occupational health and safety. Look at factory work, even, you know, product lines. Think about, you know all of the risk get involved in all the public health implications in a in a work situation like that. We have a, a large uh, Michelin tires okay that you know big company that they're not too far from where I live. So I often when I drive by that plant and I see the the folks that work there are coming and going. I think about all of the different ways that they're in involved in public health in the work that they're doing. Right. So so don't worry so much about getting into you know a role, you know, if you can get into, if you want to work in the health department or you want to work for state government or federal government, and you can get into a great role like that. Wonderful. But don't get hung up there, get into something that you enjoy and find public health there and then take the next step.
0: That's awesome advice, you know, and I think it touches, it goes back to what you said about doing public health differently. And I wanted to piggyback on that because, um, you know, sometimes we tend to be in this silo way of thinking, even for professionals. And COVID is, you know, really challenging us right now. Yes. So what kind of <laughs> advice do you have for all these public health professionals and everybody, you know, health workers and just regular people? You know, we have the vaccines, we have people asking questions, we have misinformation. How do we do
1: public health different? <laughs> That is like the million dollar question right there. (laughs) Um, You know, it still goes back to, um, I think, really conversations. You know, I was really intentional about selecting that word. It goes back to conversations. I think that it's not just because, you know, we have the spotlight now as public health. Right. It doesn't mean that we have to have the answer for everything. We need to have conversations. We need to be able to try to understand where people are coming from. Try to understand if they've got com- if they're confused. That's an opportunity to teach. Um, but before you start teaching, really try to understand the root of their confusion and um, and just be an ear and and hear. And also, um, don't try to be the expert in everything. <laughs> I intentionally okay, it, okay this is a funny story but during the pandemic um I suddenly realized that my neighbors really know what I do for a living <laughs> you know people that say they don't what's epidemiology or public health suddenly people that I don't even talk to knew that I was an epidemiologist because they kept like finding ways to strike up a conversation to ask questions um and I decided that even after I did a few projects around um, the outbreak of the numbers I purposely removed myself because that was way too draining for me and I was being pulled in too many different directions, um, trying to you know to be the expert to follow those. I appreciate all the ex the uh, epidemiologists that choose to specialize and follow the numbers and to and to be there. Um, but I also appreciate those that, are focusing on self-care for the burned out epidemiologists and all the other things. So, you know, you don't have to be the expert of everything just because you're a public health. That's going to help take a lot of pressure off of you right now.
0: No, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I think everyone who's in public health felt the pressure that, oh, my God, here is a live lab. <laughs> we can all contribute and you know, there was so much coming at us and the ambiguity of, of COVID-19 um, and just how much it changed also made public health be sort of public enemy.
1: <laughs> you know? Yes. You know, I actually, I made a decision to focus on, because I do have, um, like the specialty area of clinical research administration, and and my background with just just the diagnostic stuff, and and with the pharma background, so I was um, really interested in the vaccine development. Um, so when I was involved in, um, I moderated a session at APHA, you know, um, that was about the vaccine development. This was, you know, again, we're talking about the end of last year, so the end of twenty twenty. Um, And that was interesting to me. I was naturally interested in that. And as the vaccine began to roll out, I decided that I wanted to really learn about the older population. And I really did uh, a lot of digging for myself. Um, I spoke with my colleagues who were more experts in the different areas around the vaccine development and about our rollout um, plan and and just getting questions answered early so that I could be the voice for my elderly family members. So I, I did take my mother, my in-laws, my aunt and uncles, my elderly members of the family under my wings. And those are the ones that I had those real personal conversations with. So they had free, they could call me whenever they wanted. They could ask me any questions they wanted about the vaccine and about COVID and about being safe and, they were the only ones that had that freedom to do so. But I just set those boundaries um, because that's where I chose to, to kind of give out and really help and serve in my family um, and, and their immediate circles. So that was kind of like, I chose my lane to stay in with that.
0: That's awesome. I think it's, it's amazing when, you know, they have sort of this in-house expertise, but you're also not beating them over their heads. Like, right. You gotta do this, you have to do this. Uh, which sometimes as health professionals, we can be a little <laughs> bit pushy, <laughs> but I like I like your advice about really, and, and that's what public health is about, understanding people from where they're coming from and communities won't always, you know, be on the same page that we right. are. Um, and I've realized that with, I mean, behavioral health. So, hey, (laughs) I call myself the police of behavior. People (laughs) don't like being told what to do. (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) And so you really have to listen to them, even when you're like, that does not make sense. Um, But I think that art of listening and compassion and empathy and respect um, goes a long way, especially with our communities. Um, So, you, you know, you got a lot of um attention from covid and your work how else did covid impact your work oh
1: my goodness i think um those are the the major things I, that was uh the things that i talked about had a lot to do with you know me changing the name and kind of rebranding and positioning myself to partner with more companies that were looking for you know that type of connection and it also had a lot to do with a, a bit more of the shift in how I I even serve my community. So I really am not taking new career coaching clients anymore. Um, I will continue to work with, I have some clients I've worked with for a long time, but I'm not actively looking to take on new career coaching clients. Instead, I'm focused on supporting the some consultants. So the public health professionals that are looking to start consulting business, the entrepreneurs um, I'm really all in on, on helping because of, you know, like we talked a little while ago, I really believe that that's where um, those folks that feel that calling in that area, uh, that's where I feel like I can pour in the most. And will have the biggest impact because they're that's, what's needed right now. So that's, 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 still a result of the pandemic, you know, making that kind of a shift, which is scary.
0: (laughs) Yes, change is always scary, but it's the only thing that's constant. Um, (laughs) And I I feel like COVID really made so many of us halt in how we see life and you know how we go about life so many changes have happened you know and we have people who are leaving their paid jobs anyway and going to find something that they're passionate about and i think that's what entrepreneurship comes from you know that thing that makes you tick and move and you want to make a difference and (laughs) you might not always get the money at the time (laughs) you want to get it yes Um, but there's so much more that goes into, um, entrepreneurial work. So as we wind down, I just wanted, you know, it's a question I ask everybody, what is your most memorable moment in your life or in your work to date? Um, you know, anything you want to share?
1: That one is really, really tough. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, I could say that the moment I completed, um, my Well, no, I'll say not just when I completed my doctoral degree, but really when the ceremony, when I was, the hooding ceremony was, was major for me because it represented a major pivot in my, in my life. You know, at that point, it was a long time to get to that, that place. Um, And it opened, it was literally, it felt like turning the corner into something new and different. So that was really pivotal and and it impacted me personally and professionally and my family and, um so that was that was really really major for me and probably the next best thing after that was um I became a grandma this year so that <laughs> I had no idea that how that was going to um to feel but oh my gosh it's pretty cool to be a grandma <laughs> so
0: wow that is so cool <laughs> you know I'm like I don't want to say you don't look like a grandma but I think <laughs> it's amazing for you to see this Second generation, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Of your work. So congratulations. and Thank grandma. You. <laughs> and I definitely concur with you with a hooting. I think the PhD was my most instrumental
1: moment as well. It's, just, yeah. it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I think, yeah, it, it is such... It's such a, a brutal, it's, it's like a narrow path. And, you know, you can't twist or turn because you're going to get scratched, but you got to go all the way through. And then when you do, you just feel so proud of yourself and you feel so accomplished and it all, I don't know, everything makes sense. And um, so, yeah, that, that was, that's huge.
0: Awesome. So I do have some students who are currently in their PhD programs, focusing on different aspects of public health, you know, and they're, they're really going through it. (laughs) What advice would you give them?
1: I I think, you know, when I I actually spoke to a group of doctoral students, a couple, well, it's been a few years back now. And there were about 120 in the room. And they were at that stage where they were all like actually working on their dissertations. And, um, they were all leaning in, like listening and taking notes. Um, and I, I still say for that journey, be flexible because I, I remember a lot of my colleagues, even at that time, you know, like they, you have these ideas about what you want to do and you really do want to change the world and you want your, your, your dissertation to be so everything just to be like, so perfect and all those things, but just be flexible because, um, the advice that I received was you need to complete this journey and then you've got the rest of your career as doctor to do whatever research you want to do and to explore all those avenues, but keep it manageable. So be flexible because you just don't know what the committee dynamic will look like. Um, You can just expect to not like at least one of the committee members, just expect it so that if it's all great, then that's a bonus. But that if you just can be flexible and know that they're really not the enemy, <laughs> they are really trying to bring out the best in you and help you complete that journey. If you can be flexible, um, you know, with like those things in mind, um, you will enjoy that journey so much better, so much more.
0: Perfect advice, you know. <laughs> A finished PhD is the best thing. Um, exactly. And, yeah, it's often that tag with um, sometimes the committee and deciding which topic and like just look at the exit sign. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly. I oh, I can give you so. Many. There was I remember my committee, my chair um, mm-hmm. wanted me to add a variable into my research, and I had already decided like this is it. And I caught myself because I was gonna like argue why I don't need to add it. I thought add the variable. Because that was his specialty, and if he's suggesting it, maybe there's something there. And it didn't. It. it, it, Side note: There was no uh, statistically significant findings, but there was no harm in me adding that variable. So just if they make a suggestion, just you know, you're better off to go with it. Right.
0: I remember with my child like. Just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it because I just want to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> you have a, you have a topic you want me to focus on? <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you know, so yeah, I was just gang-ho on, on graduating and I just was like, it, this it's a lab, you know, so it's not going to be perfect. You know, you, you create things in a lab exactly. and then you get out with a product (laughs) then now you can go and be fabulous yeah exactly right well I've enjoyed talking to you so much and I'm excited that you you know allowed me to speak with you (laughs) even on short notice and I've been following your work and you're doing amazing work in public health and you know I look up to you like a big sister so (laughs) it's (laughs) exciting that I'm able to speak with you. And, you know, is there anything else you want to say the last word? i ah, just like
1: <laughs> to thank you for inviting me. I really, I've enjoyed the conversation as well. Um, I, I love what you're doing. I encourage you to keep on going. I love what you're doing. And um, thank you for just inviting me to be a part of it. This has been wonderful.
0: Awesome. I'm sure our paths will keep crossing, you know, yes. in similar circles. And I'm really glad that we'll continue seeing how, you know, our synergies and what we can do. And I just want to thank everyone for listening in or for watching this podcast and, you know, follow and subscribe. And if they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that, Dr. Huntley?
1: I would recommend uh, checking out my website it's drchuntley.com so it's d-r-c-h-h-u-n-t-l-e-y.com and you can find everything from there consulting coaching podcast all of it
0: yes and make sure you check out our podcast public health epidemiology conversations podcast amazing amazing conversations she has on amazing guests and everything to think about public health <laughs> so much variability so please check out her podcast subscribe to her podcast as well and hit her up for entrepreneurial advice and consulting you know so thank you again and i hope to speak with you soon and follow up um, on the work that you're doing thank you and thank you everyone